Welcome back to the Actual VR Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Mann, the owner of Actuality VR. This is the podcast where we give you a behind-the-scenes look at the VR revolution in real time with real professionals. We take a look at immersive tech news and interview professionals in their respective fields. Today, we're joined by the dynamic duo behind the Rabbit Hole VR, one of the top five rated VR arcades in the U.S., in our talk, we'll reveal how they became the first VR arcade in the U.S., how they diversified to become more than just an arcade, and how they're creating the largest VR center in the Southeast. But first, we're joined by the team digital marketing specialist, Nick Brown, as we talk about the news stories we covered on the actual VR show this Monday. Don't forget, if you've been enjoying this and all of the content we put out, to subscribe to our platform of choice, your platform of choice. With that said, let's go. All right, guys, we're here. We're here with uh, Nick Brown. What's uh, up, everybody? Social media specialist, web developer, all around good guy. Uh, and uh, this is part of the show where we go over what we talked about on Monday with the actual VR show. So on Monday, we talked about Tilt 5, which is a company that came out with an AR headset uh, for tabletop games. We also talked about Bjork's new VR album that, that came out. Um, and then we talked about uh, a community icon uh, a community personality victor riddell victor riddle victor riddell again i'm sorry if i'm getting your name wrong uh but he has this new project out called veeples um which is super interesting but we're going to start with you know we we dabble in some team building uh here at actuality vr uh specifically using uh sometimes we use this table sometimes we go over to your office but we we like to play a little D&D for some team building. Yeah, we're no strangers to the game. No uh, strangers to the game. Yeah. As a matter of fact, um, when it comes to dungeoneering and uh, you know uh, exploring the dungeons, conquering the dragons, uh, it's something we're familiar with. It's something we're familiar with. You find that you you learn a lot about people when you when you play D&D with them. Um, and so Tilt 5 is coming out with these augmented reality glasses. They're they're different than typical AR glasses like the HoloLens um, and Magic Leap. Are you... Um, have you seen those or know anything about? Uh, well, I remember there was an episode of the actual VR show where you were talking about the Game of Thrones experience. That's which true. Was Magic Leap uh, with the yeah. uh, ice. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there were some zombies or yeah, some yeah, ice. Yeah, yeah. I, again, I, I haven't watched. I haven't watched ice walkers or something. Ice walkers. Is that the producer Casey? Is that ice walker? Is that correct? White walkers. White uh, walker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> White. Walkers. Well, they, they got ice going on. They got, yeah, there's there's things going on. Uh, <laughs> so, but what they the technology is a little different. They um, with those headsets, what they do is they have little lenses that go on the or they they project a display onto the lenses lenses themselves. We call this near sight augmented reality. They look like swim goggles. They do look like swim goggles. Yeah. Steampunk swim goggles. Uh, the the Magic Leap does. Uh, but what they what they're doing is a little bit different. Uh, actually, Casey, could you? Um, we've got a, the, their video, their promo video lined up. They had a Kickstarter, uh, but I think they're they're beyond that now. Um, but we've got a vi- we've got their video mm-hmm. queued up here. Yeah, um, keep talking. Keep keep talking. <laughs> so again, this is they use Farsight. So what they do is this reflective mat that goes on your table. Hmm. It, it's um, they project light from the actual lenses from the glasses that you wear, which is multiplayer. So everybody around the table has his pair of these glasses on and it projects light onto the table. And then the reflection is what gives you that augmented reality 3d experience. So it uses a totally, totally different uh, technology. That sounds pretty wild, dude. Yeah. And uh, I think one of the people that's on this project worked on the same technology at a different company. Wait, so is it like lasers? 
No, it's just it's light is what uh what I read about. I mean, it may be I mean, light is a very simple way of, I'm sure explaining the technology, but um He's ready for it. Yeah, let's take a look at yeah. it. You haven't seen this before, have you? Nick? No. I oh, sweet. So there's the mat. Uh, if you're just listening, there's also a controller like a wand. Um these glasses are independent. There's no computer attached to them. And they've got uh, some figurines there. Um, oh, that's super cool. So you're looking down into this dungeon. It has depth. Like you can look down into the depths. They've got some like, casino type games. That looks like a ROM for NES. Wait, so is it the table a screen? Is that yeah. Essentially, uh, like okay. they're looking through their glasses at the screen and they're interacting uh, with a wand. Like they're able to push things around. There's physics in it. That's pretty cool. So I imagine that's probably just a normal game. Um, so this is going to be like you have to develop for this platform. That's really cool. Um, I feel like they do this with like tables at restaurants or something. That oh, that looks like a. It's essentially what you know those pl uh, the uh, like the Pac Man machines. Yeah, yeah the actual yeah. like tabletop the ones. Could you imagine? Yeah. Mr. Gaddy's. Did you guys? Have, did you ever have a Mr. Gaddy's? Doesn't I had that in New York? Yeah, yeah. Well, they. Uh, but essentially, it's adding depth to that type of experience. It's 3D. You're looking down into it. There's. Uh, it's really cool. Yeah, that's pretty neat. So what it, it judges where you are positioned at, looking at the screen by the goggles you have on your face. Is that what? I would that imagine that's what's happening. And then you're kind of tweaking it with the wand. Yep, you it can manipulate like, and it looked like an Xbox One uh like lighter for your grill, dude. It <laughs> did look like, oh wow, yeah. No, it really did. It really did. Because it's got this really long antenna, but looks like a it looks like a grill lighter. Yeah. Oh man, I didn't even think about that. But that's um what they specifically, and I think some interviews that I read from the owner of the company is he's really excited about like the D and D possibilities of being able to That'd put cool, yeah. like, so as you as a dungeon master, can you imagine like you've designed this entire experience mm -hmm. and you can reveal it in time and like in real time through the, you know, click of a button. Um, so that would be pretty cool. Totally. Um, it is. So the headset, it doesn't have a cable, but what this whole thing is powered by is your computer. Mm -hmm. So the graphics aren't limited to what's just in the, the, the headset itself. Well, that's pretty cool because, like, as far as developing those sorts of environments, for like example, if you were to be making like a D and D campaign, you know, to like have to set up all that map, you know, and then kind of like set, you know, like your, I guess your uh, perspective from how far away you are and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, uh, you definitely want like a cool software for that. Yeah, and that's one of the things they're talking about is that to develop for it. There, that's what I'm curious about because you know you think about the possibility of a general consumer being able to you know come up with their own map i don't know how viable that is but mm -hmm. for tabletop game companies to develop an app to be able to have like preloaded maps or like the assets already exist for you to be able to manipulate that would be cool it reminds me of neverwinter nights on pc they actually had like a build your own map sort of Situation. I didn't know that. Yeah, and you could like host your own games like really? online. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know that. I played Neverwinter Nights, but I never, I didn't know the, I briefly played it on PC. That's dope. That's dope, that's dope, that's dope, that's dope. But well, let's talk about, speaking of things that are dope, uh, Bjork came out with a VR album. Oh, wow. Um, they, uh, she, so back in 2016, she's been showing these virtual reality music videos see this one was published on june 6th of 2015 this is at Man. the very start like this was the first 
this, I mean, we're talking to the month when YouTube was able to play 360 videos. You can't deny the fact that she has. She's been, an innovator, dude. She, yeah, she, she was, I, I mean, I don't know this for a fact. It fits her brand. But I would imagine she was the first music video to ever be published on YouTube. Wow. So she's, um, she's standing on a beach right now. So, I'm assuming in Iceland. So Bjork's in the, the 360 video history book, you'd say? I would say so. And I'd say she's probably the first one to come up with an, an album entirely in VR. Yeah. I mean, the album's available outside of VR, but... Is that a lighthouse over there? I do believe so. This is... You know, this that's a nice sky though. It's kind of got like uh, the actual VR sort of colors going <laughs> on. <in there. laughs> she knew, she knew. Um, so she's moving over. Casey, could you fast forward to maybe like four and a half minutes in? Sneak. You can around. actually see in the thumbnail there if we fast forward. I think she starts incorporating you multiple. There it is. That looks like a, a Star Trek Next Generation uniform. It does look like, or the somebody who would be in Star Trek Next Generation. Oh, yeah, totally. From so. This is probably, oh yeah. So she now has like five versions of herself really close to the camera. Wow. Super close to the camera. Um, this is Stone Milker. Hey, there's that lighthouse, dude. Is the name of the, the song? lighthouse over there? That was the one we were <laughs> checking out earlier, dude. Oh yeah, the location change. Yeah, they scooted over there. Is she moving across the seam here? Yeah, avoiding the Okay, lighthouse. I will say, technically, in 2015, that's impressive. Because we didn't have the ability to keyframe. I would imagine this was done entirely in After Effects um, using tools that or utilizing in a way, executing in a way with tools that didn't exist. I mean, the hard way. They did it the hard way before the tools uh, made yeah. it easy. Yeah, well, it's the pioneer sort of scenario, dude. Like, yep. they're the first person to climb Everest, you know? And that was tough. But now, you know, they got a line going up there or whatever. Oh, yeah, there's plenty of people up yep. there now. Just too many people, I'd say. Yep. <laughs> um, so I mean, I'm not a person. Personally, I'm not a fan of Bjork's music. Um, I think what she does is pretty cool, pretty innovative. Um, but like I said, this album was available in museums since 2016 uh, yeah. to be able to view. But Whoa. now it's the first time you can get it on Steam and Oculus Store, I believe. Stone Milker, what? thirty dollars for this called? album. Yep, Bjork, Bjork. I don't know if that's a legitimate, uh, that's her Well, it's got the little music channel. sign there. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. She uh, she uh, shuns capital letters. Does she really? <laughs> Based off Did of she made that statement? <laughs> <laughs> My name is Bjork. I make music and I hate capital letters. <laughs> yeah. They're so inhibitive, dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a, you know, I like Sigurós. Um, they're an Icelandic band. That's probably the closest I've ever gotten to Bjork. Uh, I've never met anybody who listened to Bjork. Um, you it's, it's like their neighbors, not so much musically, but yeah, yeah. geographically. <laughs> yeah. I can list the bands that came out of Iceland in one hand, two fingers. I can, yeah, I can yeah. only name two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where did ABBA come from? What was that? Finland. Finland. Oh yeah, boy. Yeah. Res- resident. ABBA that was a complete specialist. guess. I don't know. They. I don't know. Actually, I was just thinking ABBA earlier. Hey, if you know, drop it in the comments. We'll. Oh yeah, please we'll do. see it there. Yeah, yeah, because we don't know. Was it Sweden? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, that sounds better. Yeah. <laughs> don't know if it's right, but it sounds better. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, back to so, the... Yeah. <laughs> so so for the third story, we we talked about uh, 
a, a friend in the community, Victor Riddell. He originally started, he created this website. I don't, well, I don't know if he created it. He was certainly a contributor to it and it was a big promoter to it. The only promoter of this website called vrdizzy.com. Um, and actually, I don't think I sent that to you, uh, Casey, but if you go to um, vrdizzy.com um, in a separate tab, I'd like to, because I'd like to keep his Facebook mm-hmm. open too, because those, the, uh, I want to show you guys. If you're listening, I'm so sorry. You can always check out the video on YouTube and Facebook if you really want to check it out. Or you can go to uh, vrdizzy.com to check this out as well. But this was a satirical news site for the immersive tech industry. And so, um, actually, this is the this most recent one. <laughs> we talked about, so we talked about the marketing research weeks ago about this $3,000 or $7,000 market research that you could get oh, yeah, yeah. about the cameras. And that's kind of, uh, it's kind of funny. They, they're they making fun of that. New VR website can now auto-generate 100 articles per day uh, with a guy in a headset that says Newsbait VR. Um, so some of them are really funny. Like when Leap Motion was first coming out, um, you know, they had something called Sheep Motion. That's interesting. I don't know what he's got around his waist there. Um, lock, leaked Volve headset image contains clues to hidden location of the Lost Killer app. Um, <laughs> um, wow. So, yeah. So, I mean, it all started there. If you go to the free stuff. I do want to point out that it says, build my amazing AR app idea for a tiny percentage question mark. Asks diluted. <laughs> if you go if you go to the free stuff this is actually one of the things that um you know i feel bad because he did try selling these at first and i think they're really valuable i think they may have been a little overpriced the reason why they didn't sell uh but he eventually just gave them out uh for free so you can download these uh for ca- standard or canvas layouts but it, they're the little warning signs you know if you're coming into a vr space some of them Uh-oh. say i can't guarantee your safety when i'm in vr it's a picture Uh-oh. of somebody hitting you in the head um Warning, wall punching may occur. Uh, right. Attention, VR user may peek at you through nose gap. If anybody knows, you put on a VR headset, like that's how you look at people, through the nose peak, gap. Dude. The nose peak. Uh, attention, may occasionally tangle. Tangle fall. And uh, don't panic, it's just my VR face, non-contagious, from the red marks that you get on your face. Hmm. There's, so there's a, there's a, you know, I thought they're really clever. They, they, they look like safety, safety uh, warnings, I guess. Uh, but specifically he has this new story that he's kind of developing uh, his post hey VR humans I've been taking some time out uh, to work on a short story featuring a brave squad of people who in, uh, embark on an epic journey to discover the legendary lost killer app and prevent the imminent death of VR so he's created these little characters that are going to be the the main characters for a story and each character is a headset so you can see uh, that first picture there uh, Casey um right underneath that post uh yeah the picture there you go um so each one of them there's there's five total characters you have psvr you look like you have a the valve uh the valve uh, index you have the oculus uh rift you have the quest and then you have the htc vive and uh if you look, the like the the really cool thing is like the the valve one has he has like a little valve on the back of him. Um, they're like I mean they they look like little minions. They're it's super clever. And the Oculus, you know, the Oculus Veeple person doesn't have a tail. If you look down at the bottom here, you see all those tails down there. Yeah. So if it's a wireless headset, they don't have a little tail. Uh, but I thought it was really cool, and I wanted to to show some love to uh, to Victor. 
Pretty cool, dude. I dig it. Yeah. So really cool. And that's just a creative way to use the tech or to, you know, to highlight the tech. I thought it was, thought it was pretty cool. Totally. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's everything that we went over on, uh, on the actual VR show, but we have a very, uh, speaking of VR headsets, we have a special guest coming up in a second. Who's that? Yeah. So I want you guys to stick around. It's uh, probably the most, it is, they were the owners of the largest VR arc. Okay. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave right there. You're going to see in just a second. Guys, stick Can't around. Wait. Two seconds. We'll be right back. For our main guests today, oh yeah, there's two of them. This duo made a splash in the Nashville virtual reality market when they opened the Rabbit Hole VR, the first VR arcade in Tennessee. Probably the world, but no, I mean, but they are they are one of the top five rated VR arcades and unofficially the first VR arcade here in the U.S. They're the world's leading authority in VR arcade consultation and customer experiences. I consider these two good friends, and I hope by the end of this conversation you will too. It's my pleasure to introduce Jennifer and Mitchell Portress. All right, guys, we're here. We're here with none other, the duo, Mitchell and Jennifer Portress. What's going on, guys? Hi. Hey, thanks for having yeah. us. Of course. Well, thanks for thanks for coming on here. I know you guys are, are crazy, but you guys have a lot of things going on right now. But I, I don't want to talk about that yet. We're going we're gonna to leave a little cliffhanger because some big things, big things coming across. But so I, you know, in doing my research and talking to you guys, we, we met... Was it back in 2016? I don't even know the year. Was it 16? It was probably it was 2016. 2016. 2016. Yeah, that's when we kind of started our rental business. So we yeah. reached out to you. <laughs> yeah. So you guys reached out. At the time, um, I was running the National VR Meetup. Uh, it was very short-lived. Uh, I'm glad Noah took it over. He's doing a much better job with it. Um, but we were meeting at the the um, Maker Studio, yes. which was a hot warehouse yep. uh, with uh, people sawing in the background and welding and all that stuff. But it was it was a moment, and I that was when I met Lee Keebler. Right. That was when I met you guys. Yep. Um, and that was... Uh, a lot has changed since then. A lot yeah. has changed. We didn't have a physical location. <laughs> That's right. That yeah. Time. Yeah. So we we had nothing. We had one headset, I think. Yeah. One yeah. headset. We were, you know, that was kind of the hub for all things VR at the time in Nashville, yeah. really. And it's definitely grown since then. You started with a dream and a headset. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yep. So speaking of the dream portion of this, like at what point when you guys were thinking of like what's the next step? Or, or was this something that was deliberately planned where you were like, okay, we want we want to take a step into owning a business and VR was the thing that kind of um you just hit like, well, there's no other VR. Like what was that moment that that what was the deciding factor? Um because it was not only the first in Nashville, it was one of the first in the country. It was. Um, yeah. at, least in, and, at least in the US. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So I mean that's that's a pretty big decision. There's a lot of right. there's a lot to go. So I'm just curious, like at what moment did do you guys decide to do that? Yeah. yeah so I, I've always had kind of that entrepreneurship, you know, entrepreneurial mindset of I, I want to own my own business. I've always worked for small startups, especially here in Nashville. I've never worked for like a big company. So I've always yeah. kind of wanted to own my own business. 
back in college, I was part of the Collegiate Entrepreneurs Organization. And part of the exercises that we would do weekly is, is come and pitch new businesses. And I've always had this kind of concept of a, I was an airsoft guy. So room scale, you know, massive warehouse, you come in, you put a VR headset on and you can, you can pick through a bunch of different maps and it loads into this 30,000 square foot warehouse space and you just start, you know, running around and, and you know, having yeah. fun with your friends, right? Well, back in 2012, that wasn't really a thing, right? You know, VR was kind of in like a little bit of a lull period at that time, but mm -hmm. I always kind of kept that in like, you know, my repertoire of like, oh, this is, this is going to be a good business one day. And then the DK one came out a few years later and I was on YouTube. So I was able to kind of use some swing to get the DK one and, you know, it really wasn't much of like more than what like an Oculus Go is now. You know, it was yeah. really mostly 360 experiences and stuff. So you may have seen those at like a mall kiosk or something, yeah. right? But you didn't see like arcades popping up with these. It wasn't until the, the HTC Vive came out and we got that first uh, generation HTC Vive, yeah. the room scale, you know, affordable tracking technology now. You're not looking at million dollar tracking systems yep. and stuff. So that's where we really took the concept of like, hey, we got this headset. Let's start this rental business while we figure out the the kinks behind it, the the, the you know the, the the procedures of how to handle players and headsets, and then for a year we looked for a space. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's, that's kind of how it got long. it got going. Was we just we got our hands on the technology and we just kind of ran with it. Yeah. So, so Jennifer, when was this something that you both you, you were into VR as well, and you're like, yeah, like let's do this VR thing? Yeah, or was, de definitely not that. <laughs> um, <laughs> So it it was one of those things where I had a full-time job yeah. um, working for a PR firm. And uh, Mitchell kind of came up with, has had this idea for such a long time. And then once we had the headset, it was like, oh, this could actually be a real thing. And I didn't have the interest in VR, but like I tried it a couple of times, thought yeah. it was really cool. Um, I'm more seeing like, oh, this is actually a consumer-ready product at this point, whereas, like, the DK1 was not. Yeah, no, not, um, definitely not. Yeah, <laughs> so, so it's like, oh, okay, this is actually a business idea that could work. Um, if yeah. you've ever had a conversation with Mitchell, he's got about 50 just in the lineup. <laughs> um, but I'm like, this is one that, that could be really great, and Nashville is just neat, in need of something that's not country music and not yes. drinking on Broadway. So <laughs> we, we, we kind of uh, combined our powers, you know, his background and business and entrepreneurship and then my background with like PR and marketing um, and actually got a decent business plan together and got someone to to help us fund it. And once we finally found a space, now we did decide to open a business as Nashville was booming. Oh, so that's why it took so long to find a space. Yeah, um, One of the yeah. reasons, and just in general, as we're learning, it's just very difficult to find spaces that work for a VR arcade concept. So yeah. Once we actually found the space, signed the lease, it's like, okay, this is real. So, oh, is, yeah. Yeah. So, that was a moment like when you broke ground. You guys, the space, yeah. you did a lot of work to that space before you did. even put the arcade in there. Oh, it yeah. wasn't VR ready when you guys got there. No, no. <laughs> not at all. It used to be an old orthopedic shop. So, you know, they used to have like a workshop in the back and old exhaust fans going out the roof and stuff. Oh, so, yeah. we essentially just completely destroyed the, the whole <laughs> inside demoed it, yeah demoed got it down it. to the the you know white box space like even if e not even considered white box right. like it was just floor and walls and, and um, really the only reason we have walls is to divide tracking systems so if it you know if it really wasn't for that you know we wouldn't even really need walls in there because what does vr need but open space right, right? It's true, to, yeah. to walk around and move around so that's perfect yeah what so i mean you guys you guys were um you know it obviously was really exciting being in the VR space, you know, to see the VR arcade, the like yeah. first VR arcade in, in Nashville and in the Southeast and really. Oh yeah. So what was that moment? 
because obviously you guys you know you started to see some traction what was the moment where you're like okay this is going to be big this is going to be like really big like did you have that moment was there a, a specific instance where like a certain event or like was there a moment that you kind of had that like we're like we're really onto something here I think I think we're still waiting for it to get really big. <laughs> but um I, I think when we when we started noticing that it was really kind of starting to take off was that, you know, obviously summers are very busy for us with people right. traveling. You know, we hit the tourist market really hard in Nashville, but mm. when it was like every Saturday was fully booked up from the time that we were open till the time that we were closed and we were continuously turning people away, it got to the point where we were we were counting the number of people that we were turning away and it was oh. It was more than the number of people that we could fit in the arcade in a day. So That's it was heartbreaking. So yeah, right. <laughs> and you know, and we're losing, you know, customers to competitors because we just don't have enough headsets. Yeah. You know. So that was when we were like, oh God, we we need to start looking at like, you know, opening up a large location. Cause people come in, they go, You can't just throw some more headsets up in the back. Like, no, that's no. not how it works. <laughs> we're like, we trust could. us, we wish that we could take your money. <laughs> yeah, I wish we um, could. It just but doesn't work like that. We were really conservative because we didn't know if a VR arcade was going to be successful right. or not. We didn't have yeah. other businesses to base our concept off of. We we had to kind of figure it all out on our own and we hit a lot of like hurdles when when creating the business because people don't know what a vr arcade is so right. when it came to insurance mm. and selling landlords on the concept they were like what the heck's a vr arcade you know when yeah. you know they have codes when it comes to getting insurance and stuff and right they're trying to list off the code so bowling alley no, no. we're not a bowling alley <laughs> okay skating rink no we're not a skating rink you know it's yeah a, so we, we hit a lot of hurdles doing that but um it it uh I think there was a, another thing that we really noticed when when it was kind of taken off and I'll let Jennifer kind of talk about that. Yeah, I think well, the other one that I was thinking of is once we started seeing customers who would come in and play and immediately when they were out of the headset, "Oh, how do you set up all this? How do you do this? I want to bring this to my city." Oh, um, yeah, that's cool. And then past that, it was also then people coming into town, into Nashville, and into the arcade just for the sole reason to see how we were setting up and like how we're running this arcade and that sort of thing. We had um, a pretty proprietary like cable management system before we went fully wireless. So people really wanted to know how we did our cable management system. We had people traveling from like North Carolina, South Carolina, just to come to the arcade, just to ha just have a tour, just so to see that, it. Yeah. That was definitely one of the indicators like, okay, this could be really big. Yeah. We could do multi-locations, go across state lines, that sort of thing. Um, and, and past just the arcade business, there's a potential for a consultation business. So we've added oh, that to our list of yeah. services. Um, so working with potential arcade owners to bring this to, or just not even to bring it to their city, but do the market research needed to see if their city is viable for mm -hmm. this. Um, wow. A lot it, of people, it's just not viable in a city of right. like 20,000 people, you know? Yeah. We have a hard time in a city that's got almost a million people in it, right? right. Or if, if yeah. In a more, strong tourist market. In a strong tourist market. So yeah. Yeah. So, and, and that kind of plays in a little to what we did with Ubisoft with our, the consultation business was now people, we've realized people need help with VR equipment. They're maybe not as, right. they don't know all the intricacies of it and things like that. So even if they know the intricacies, the VR equipment, as you know, is fickle, mm -hmm. yeah. extremely Extreme, fickle. Yeah. <laughs> um, so even if it's a company, maybe one guy has the expertise to do it. Yeah. They're exhibiting at an expo or they're having a corporate event or something. He's not got time to yep. stand there and, and troubleshoot it when it goes down. So just managing events, um, working with companies to bring VR into their space or working with business owners to see if this is something that could work in their city and how to set it up for different types of buildings. You know, when you lease a space, it's not always just a big open area. You may be yep. working about around pillars and 
all sorts of things. So, so layout design. Layout design. Well, um, yeah. So yeah, so now we've added consultation services to our business and that's helped to kind of diversify the revenue streams. Yeah. Well, I know that was a huge help. So speaking of Ubisoft, yeah. they um, so we had the opportunity to work together with um, when with the escape game convention that came to Nashville. Transworld Escape Game Expo or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Ubisoft long. had a booth there for their escape game. Yeah. Um, and we met some really cool people. Shout out to the Blue Bite team. Yep. Um, we'll be seeing them next Tuesday. We we'll love them. That's so Dusseldorf. exciting. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. I, I absolutely love those guys. I still wear that Ubisoft shirt just yeah. so I can. Nice. I mean, nobody really knows like what. I'm like, you work for Ubisoft? No, no, no. But they're awesome. I still they're remember like, when you called me and you're like, hey, I got this big game company. <laughs> I can't talk about it, but they want to know if we can run like eight VR, like five pros. And I was like, yeah, yeah we yeah, can yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> He's like, all right, I'll get back with them. I'll let you know more soon. <laughs> that was That was so, I mean, that was really, I could not have done it. Without you guys, first of all, like I am so grateful that you were just like, yeah, let's let's do it. And you were a boss on on uh, on set. No, I keep wanting to say on set, but when we were there, like there were things that things like go wrong. The, yeah, just I mean, it just happens. Inevitably. And having you there mm-hmm. um, yeah. was was absolutely invaluable. No, so I want to thank you. Thanks if for I thinking could, of us for that. I of mean, course, we, we yeah, really, yeah, that was great for us, and it, it lets us show like what we can do right on a big scale, yeah. especially when you're small like that and. You know, it, it really is like, you know, and that was the first time I'd really worked with Vibe Pros because they were still a new headset at the time. So, right. yeah. And we use the OG Vibes in the arcade. So it, it, it was a lot of work, but I, it worked out. And and thank goodness we've got a cable management system up for them and stuff. Oh, so yeah. That was getting twisted up. So <laughs> it was it was really nice. We, we were really I was really impressed with like how all that went um, during that the show. That was super cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I highly recommend it, guys that are listening. If you are thinking about doing um, a VR exhibit at your convention, I know a lot of a lot of companies out there do that. That's that's something that I think you should consider if you haven't already considered it. But you're going to need somebody like Mitchell and Jennifer to to sh- properly show you how you can set up what's realistic, how right. many people you know. Having one right. person there, if you have multiple headsets, may not be enough. It's not a good idea. It's not, it's, right. it's, so it's um, <laughs> well, that's. And- one of the things that we encountered. It allows the Ubisoft guys to focus on what they're there for, which is selling the experience, exactly. right? And we're dealing with the, if the equipment goes down, we're dealing with right. getting players in and out of headsets, you know, yeah. granted, you know, a lot of things that we ran into there was that Ubisoft was there to sell the, the experience, right? Yeah. But they were selling to escape game owners, right? Yeah. Who don't have virtual reality equipment. So I was getting a lot of like, you know, we don't do the thing. We don't do the hardware side, but Mitchell, you know, he has a VR arcade. So we actually ended up getting put in touch with a couple of escape game owners through Ubisoft to do consultations awesome. for them and stuff because of that, that expo. So it, it ended up playing out in the long run. <laughs> so speaking of things that worked out in the long run. So after that, that's when you guys introduced the escape room, the uh, ex- escape, the lost, escape pyramid? the lost yes. pyramid, which is what we were demoing at Transworld yes. um, for them. Yeah, when we met them, I was like, because, you know, they were selling it to escape game owners who don't have VR equipment. So not only are they selling to escape game owners who don't have VR equipment, they then aren't really offering them the hardware side of things. Right. So that was the question that kept getting asked. Do you guys do the hardware? And I didn't want to overstep and be like, hey, I can help you. Right. So I was kind of standing back. And if they approached me because I was there to work for Ubisoft, so I didn't want to overstep bounds and, and be stepping on their toes. But. It ended up in the in down the road that they would send people to me that did want the hardware side yeah. of things. But yeah, they were selling it to escape game owners who have never heard of VR equipment before. And I was like, have you guys heard of VR arcades? Like I have one. I can run your experience tomorrow, like with the equipment. Yeah. And they were, you know, they may have they may have heard of it, but like they were like, didn't I don't think they really fully understood the market for VR arcades at the time. Um, and then, yeah, I think it was like they they flew back to Dusseldorf and uh, like a week later, they got me all the information. And then, yeah, we had it up and running. 
Um, I don't know if we were the first VR arcade. I want to say we're the first VR arcade in North America to offer it. First um, VR arcade in North America, unofficial. Unofficial. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To start offering unofficial. it. But I mean, it was pretty quick from the, the time that the event ended to when we started offering it. And we've done no marketing for that escape game. It sells itself. I mean, the yeah. fact that yeah. it's Ubisoft, Assassin's Creed, and an escape game. Oh, man. All that's been, you know, the, the, the education part's been done for us. You know, we don't have to worry about, you know, educating escape game people on what an escape game is. So, exactly. But, but they're like, oh, a VR one. I've never done a VR escape game before. And yeah. the production level of it's just amazing. If anything, yes. it's really helped us sell the VR side because people can uh, understand what an escape room is. Um, but if yeah. you say we're a VR arcade, they don't know what that means. Right. Um, just yet. I think people still think you come in, you got a, you got quarters in your pocket, right. you stick them in a machine, you play at that machine, and then you're on to the next one, yeah. right? Yeah, I didn't really think about that. Yeah. That's to somebody, you know, being in the industry, like we we know. We 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 know what VR arcade is, but to yeah. somebody who yeah. So like it, it's it a machine, yeah, they put the headset on. There used to be one that like, no like battle tanks or something. At Dave like Busters that. and you 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 like put yeah. your head in it and you you're like, like a little turret. Yeah, yeah. 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 I so wonder if like, that's what most people probably think of. Probably so, yeah. 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 So, so it's made us think about do we need to kind of, you know, change the you know, think about what we are. Are we a, like a virtual reality arcade? Are we a virtual reality center? Are we, you know, mm, what right. are we um really? Um just the better explanation of what it is right yeah um, I, I mean you guys um said before into a headset into a game how do we what verbiage do we use so that they can understand what they're supposed to be doing um, yeah for sure and i i think mm -hmm. um you hit on something that i i want to re reiterate because the value that comes from especially within virtual reality and being yeah. a content creator there are certain things that no matter how well you explain it, people won't understand, especially with virtual reality. Yeah. Until they put on a headset. Exactly. And so it's, I think it's really important. Uh, you know, I did a couple of jobs for free just so I could show the show the experience. Like this is what it can be. This is right. what it is. And I thought that was really smart because I think some people do get caught up in the like, you know, obviously, you know, you don't give everything for free, but. I think it's necessary right. when it comes to virtual reality to to give let people experience it. Yeah, I def I definitely agree. It's getting our name out there as well, helping mm -hmm. our team train and and then also using the marketing aspect of it. Yeah, we're getting we're giving this away for free, but um, in the long run, they will eventually come into the arcade and have a great experience. That's uh, in. We talked a little bit about. Um, before the show, we talked about the value of, especially when people haven't been in a headset before, you have some safety concerns, right? Yes. There's, there's some things that people are going to try, uh, people that, that don't understand they've never been in a headset before. But how does, uh, like, how have, how has that developed over the years? Because, you know, somebody who's never put on a headset before, there are certain things that you do and you don't do in a headset. How did you combat right. that with first time users? Yeah, yeah. So again, the rentals were great. Uh, first uh, time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, trainings for us even to figure out what to say and how to say it. Um, and we've really fine tuned how we train people on the front end when they come into the arcade and when we're off site for a rental. Um, so we have certain things that we say, certain language that we that we use. Um, you want to be very succinct because once they put the headset on, one of their senses is gone. <laughs> um, they are in that world. They don't want to listen to you anymore. So yep. it's keeping it, you know, very to the point, but also making it clear um, and doing things like you don't want to touch someone when they have the headset on um, without letting them know first, because it's very jarring. Uh, someone that you don't know, um, yeah. a kid, 
um, a woman, anything like that, you don't, I mean, guys too, right? Yeah. Like you just don't want to be touched if it's you can't weird. see what, it's weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't see the touch coming, you yeah. just feel it. Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> so doing things like, you know, figuring out, oh, I, you know, we need to say this before we approach someone um, mm-hmm. and fine tuning the safety talk so that we do have to warn people not to lean or sit on virtual objects because yeah. they're not real. The um, videos you see online of people just falling yeah. to their... That's real. It's a yes. real thing. That that's happens. a real thing. That <laughs> yes. um, Even though we tell them not to do it, they will <laughs> become very immersed and still do it. So yeah. it's usually younger kids. Uh, usually the adults try to lean up. They'll try to lean against walls yes. to rest. Usually kids will go to <clears throat> lean on something to reach. Uh, they'll put their weight down on something to reach and then that's when they... <laughs> so we try to have, you know, we try to keep a high number of attendance to customer ratio. Um, so there's always uh, someone there yeah. to help them interact right. with them, corral them. Cause that's really a lot of it. We also have like, you know, proprietary software for our chaperone systems that keep, help keep people inside their play areas a little better, more than just yeah. a visual, but there's also feedback and things like that. So on top of all that, yeah, there's, there's really kind of a lot that goes into training, <laughs> <laughs> training them to keep them from, cause it's really what it is. We are training them to play in VR. Right. It's really what it is. Yeah. You have the extra, it's not just, you know, they don't, when people try for VR for the first time there, I mean, there's certain things that you have to be educated on before you go in. Um, well, it just helps, you yeah. know, some things that you are giving them kind of the crash course, the things that, the mistakes that we all made when we first started playing yep. VR, right. you're able to succinctly summarize that and educate them before right. they enter. So they can have the best experience possible. They don't have to worry about all the do's and the don'ts. Right. It's right there at and, the beginning. Yep. I mean, from a business perspective too, we're looking to open multiple locations. So how do we get this really streamlined so we can yeah. teach employees so they can go to any location and it, so that our customer experience is the same no matter which rabbit hole VR location you visit yeah um so it's really part of a long a bigger kind of business picture too is we want to make sure that um, whether you go to our Nashville location or in franklin you're going to receive the same level of customer service and the same experience and that's all about kind of our brand's mission and that sort yeah. of thing like making sure that that's that can be translated as we open up in new markets speaking of new markets so i i talked i hinted a little bit on the actual vr show about something big that was going on in Franklin. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys are expanding into Frank. Uh, for those of you that uh, are, are watching or listening, uh, this, my company, Actuality VR, is based in Franklin. Uh, so I was very excited to find out that you guys are going to be coming here. Um, it's about a 20 minute, 30 minute drive from downtown Nashville from mm-hmm. your current location. Yep. Uh, so is there anything that you can like, like any teasers, any, any, anything that you can tell me about this new location? Because it's, 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 it seemed, I, what 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 can you uh yeah. what, can, what, what can you throw out there? Yeah, I'm sure if I say anything to crazy Jennifer will kick me yeah. or something. But we're, we're in a former laser t- laser chase facility, so we can safely say it'll be the largest VR arcade, square footage wise as well as number of headsets wise in the southeast. So yes. we'll open with at least twelve headsets, over six thousand square feet. So that that'll be you know what you can expect there. Um, we'll have our traditional room scale offerings. We'll also continue to offer Ubisoft Escape games there as well. They they really want us to continue offering them there, so cool. especially with <laughs> with the the number of headsets that we have there. Yeah. Um, you know we're hoping to be able to facilitate hundred person plus team building events there. Um, that's been something that we haven't been able to do downtown. Um, yeah. And that was kind of the, the biggest thing for us is we're turning away anywhere from 40 to a hundred person plus team building events because we just don't have the space for it. So yeah. right. we'll be able to do that in, in Franklin. Um, it's in the former a game sportsplex now known as the TOA, A-game. 
It's now known as the TOA Sports Performance Center. Gotcha. Um, going to be some really cool stuff going on in, inside that building. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, but we'll be on the second floor. Um, as far as like, you know, different experiences and stuff, we're still working to get exclusive content for the rabbit hole. So like, you know, if you want to play Escape the Lost Pyramid and, and or Escape the Lost Pyramid or Beyond Medusa's Gate in Middle Tennessee, you have to come to a rabbit hole VR location. Um, you wouldn't be able to play it at any other location. So nice. working towards more exclusive content like that for our, for our customers that can't play these games at home and yeah. want to come to an arcade and try out these new games and experiences with their friends. So um, we're, we're working on new exclusive content and stuff like that oh, for, so for the Franklin location. And just in general, different experiences that maybe yeah. is not room scale. So working more toward, you know, Mitchell's original vision of how can we do some sort of free roam um, environment. Uh, it, cool. It's not quite figured out yet. But we have some experiences. <laughs> we, we have, have some experiences in mind. <laughs> they'll, be, they'll, be in the, they'll be in the escape game vein. So, yeah. but free roam. So where you move around in the same shared space. And it kind of all ties back into what we were talking about earlier. We have VR arcade versus a VR center versus like a VR hub or something. And we're really moving toward the center right. um, kind of language because it's going to be more than just your shooter arcade games yeah. um, or even like Beat Saber. It's going to be something more immersive, more, um, more well-rounded. And yeah. it's all going to be wireless. Games. And wireless, <gasps> yeah. All wireless. You heard it here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, you know, when we talk about, especially wireless open the door for these free roam experiences. You yeah. know, before we had, um, you know, we had these backpacks. Uh, headset or backpack computers yep. and you have the Vive and you but now you know with things like the Quest and then also too with you know the fact that you can get a HTC Vive that is wireless yeah um, like that that opens a, the door the possibilities for what you can do really uh, I want to I want to touch on one other thing here you guys mentioned the um the corporate aspect of it. So corporate yeah. uh, train, not necessarily training but like these team building exercises and that's something that a lot of people don't really you know they don't when they think about team building, they're thinking of like, let's go paintball. Let's go. But the thing is with virtual reality is that you could do all those things yeah. and right. more. Right. I mean, do you guys, you guys see an, an interest there? Is that a, is that a big, um, big need? What is funny is people will always say, Oh yeah, my, the kids birthday parties must be really big for you. And we're like, we do more adult corporate team building, um, than kids birthday parties. Because VR, at least in the way that it is now, now the quest is a little bit different, but vibes right. and things like that, they are built for an adult head. Yep. Um, uh, so it, it really, yeah. and as far as, you know, being able to pick up buttons and controls and things like that quickly, right. little kids struggle with that sometimes. So it really is VR is a great adult activity more than anything, but yes, as far as selling corporate, holiday parties or team building events yeah. or anything like that. That's a huge um, area for us. Guys, I am so pumped. First of all, for you guys, that the fact that it, things are going well, things are going really well. I, I, I love being able to see, just thinking about from that first moment we met to, to where you are, are now and also to you're opening up a, a, a center in, in my backyard, not figuratively, not literally, but I, I'm really stoked. I'm so thankful that you guys came on the podcast uh, it was it was great to finally like you guys were both so bit like be able to sit down here and talk to you guys. I want to be able to do it again and yeah. and I, I'd love to catch up and see what you guys are up to in the future because yeah, I know gonna it's going to be good. Going to be some cool stuff coming out in the next few months. But uh, yeah, we appreciate you having us yeah, out. We, this you. is always fun. Thanks, this guys. Was great. 
Hope you enjoyed the talk with Jennifer and Mitchell Portress. They, uh, you know what? We were talking after the show. We have a very special offer just to you guys here listening to the show. If you live in Nashville and you want to check them out, they're giving you 20% off, not 10%, not 5%, 20% off your visit at the Rabbit Hole VR in Nashville and Franklin until the end of the year. Just use the promo code AVR Show and they'll give you that discount right up there. But remember, if you if you enjoyed anything we're putting out here, if you enjoy the show, you know, we come out every Friday on YouTube and Facebook and pretty much anywhere you find a podcast. You know, you check us out. Give us subscribe, like it, comment, do all the things you do when you appreciate the content. And don't forget, every Monday we have the actual VR show on Facebook and YouTube where we go over all the things that are happening in Immersive Tech News. We'll boil them down into this sweet nugget of goodness for your busy day. As always, we'll see you next week. Catch you later. 